All right, let's get into it. Welcome, everyone, to Pen Pen Pals for continued coverage of Steins Gate. We're covering episodes seven and eight today. I'm Alex. Hey, this is Blixa. Hey, it's Ben. And today we have a uh, friend of the show, returning guest. We'd love to have him on. Please, everyone, re- or, uh, uh, introduce. Oh, my God. Please, everyone, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Socratetris. Everyone Please. introduce Socratetris one at a time. All of you introduce Socratetris. Yeah, we're a professional show here. <laughs> okay, so let's check in with you before we get into this crazy yeah. time travel show. Check what, in with me. What's going on with you? You told me you just recorded another show earlier today. Are you working on anything on YouTube? What's going on with you? Uh, well, yeah, I did just record uh, another podcast, uh, a podcast called Video Gems. They talk to other video essayists run by video essayists who usually make videos about video games like I do. So that's exciting. Uh, sorry to plug them here because I don't think I remembered to plug Pen Pen Pals with them, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I had intended to. But what I'm currently doing is I had finished making and have been releasing 100 video essays this year. I oh started a few months ago. They were all done beforehand. I'm not currently in production. They're on autopilot mm-hmm. now, but they will be releasing every other day up until December 31st, covering a whole wide variety of topics. I chose not to limit myself just to engaging with uh, video games with my usual philosophical lens, but it was mainly to get myself out of a uh, writing block after mm. doing the Warframe content so dedicatedly, and uh, it kind of worked. And I think my mm. philosophical focus with games came back into it. But when I say I'm releasing video essays, that's a wide net that I'm ca- casting with the word essay, because I've released everything from uh, like you know, very short ruminations, joke videos about things I wasn't taking seriously. I will be releasing like very long form reviews of books on ludology, like more than 30 minutes. And that that's the study of games? Ludology. Yeah. So particularly the book that uh, I am releasing a long review of uh, and response to is uh, Homo Ludens by Johan Huizinga subtitled the play element of culture yeah that one ended up being more than 30 minutes long but you know there's also just like lore videos for elden ring in there where i do my regular thing of these are the philosophical and cultural inspirations in elden ring hey guess what there's a whole lot of jesus in this one um (laughs) but there's a whole lot of everything else too so it's like Mm. i I didn't even get to the jesus until the fourth video (laughs) um Mm -hmm. because it's also kind of not about that you know it's the whole Japanese thing of using Christian aesthetics as setting, not really looking at it as thematic elements, because Elden Ring's just this whirlwind tour of From Software's own stuff. Mm-hmm. I've also released videos that are just poems, that are just haiku and mm. tanka Ooh. that I wrote with one of my essayist friends, and you know, weird experimental film stuff like 
some video that I took walking in a park, some video I took while driving. It's this very experimental mm. time for me, sort of just raging against mm. my own success and sa <laughs> sabotaging my channel because I don't want to be the Warframe channel. I want to be <laughs> an essayist. And, and so you're saying this was sort of to get over writer's blocks. So it was the idea that like if you force yourself to just do a like the volume, you have to get a hundred done. Then yeah. you're not like a perfectionist it's, about each one. Oh, I couldn't. Kind of be. lets you off yeah, the hook. Absolutely. Yeah. But then the last one was my own original idea, which is set up on my channel as a premiere: video games versus music, where I just mm. talk about how how we talk about video game music sucks because all we ever say is the soundtrack is good, and I'm like, yes. The soundtrack is good each time people say that, but like you can talk about music in the context of it being a game and what, mm -hmm. like what it's doing for play, not mm. just how good it is to listen to after the fact. Cause there's a difference between what it is when you're playing and putting on the album and listening to the album. Those are two different engagements. And this just reminded me, uh, Alex, I'm mad at you. Oh yeah, what, why are you mad at me? You were releasing episodes about Sekiro. Mm -hmm. And yo, dude, I released a five hour video about the cultural inspirations of Sekiro. You didn't say hi. <laughs> What's up? What's up, my guy? Well, I, I did not realize how awesome and into Sekiro you were. So uh, this this will be rectified. Thank you for bringing it to okay. my attention. I, but all, all, really, I'm, I'm joking uh, for the most part <laughs> because I have been listening to those and the way that you guys have been engaging with it as like a more granular approach taught me some things that I didn't even know about the game, hmm. having done so much research and deep diving into it already. And so I was just like, Psh, damn, but I, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my videos got some deep cuts that you will never find out about. I'm going into mm. like <laughs> old black and white films that, oh. you, that you probably haven't heard of. Okay, I'm queuing that up now. <laughs> that's that's my post show listen. Anyways, so Steins Gate. <laughs> <laughs> well then let's uh uh let's do this uh last time on and we'll queue up our videos and and discuss this thing. I'm real excited. Last time on Dr. Huin Kyoma. With the IBN 5100 in hand, Daru needed retro parts from the bush. Suzuha had big feelings about Makise, reflexively showing her warrior side to Okari. After acquiring the authenticating accoutrement, Daru found CERN's secrets to be full of mystery goo. It seemed the time travel experiment spawned from micro black holes had caused all the humans are dead. But if bodies can't pass into the past, how could the FGL explore their temporal tamperings? After a product naming session, the team was ready to send more unfortunately titled D-Mails. Setting their collective brains to the task, Makise figured out how to calibrate the time-traveling text while everyone else thought about who and what to send. Shining Finger asked to borrow their Enigma machine, but Okabe was reticent to comply with the newly dubbed Team Member 005. Who else will join the FGL? What text message could confirm the effects of the D-Mail drive? Will Okabe become more comfortable with his own feelings? Let's find out. I looked into why this thing's called Steinsgate. Because of Einstein? 
No. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, there is a physicist named Herbert Steiner, a Nobel Peace Prize winner, part of the team that discovered the anti-proton and holds like many different positions or did at CERN. Mm. Cool. So it's his gate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, awesome. So if we've all got it queued up, uh, Ben will give us a countdown. All right. If everyone's ready, three, two, one, play. So when I was in high school, I thought Moika's character was very odd. But mm-hmm. yeah. then when I was in college, I literally did know somebody who communicated only really through text. Oh, wow. Mm. Like actually in conversation with people. And because she wouldn't raise her voice in any way, like she mm. would tap on people and ask them to come down so she could whisper in their ear because she just wouldn't speak out in any conversation. Mm. And so now Moka's character is like very believable to me as like, mm-hmm. there is this kind of, this type of person that just cannot speak unless it's isolated down to that individual private level. I just started messaging with someone a couple weeks ago that's mute. That would be another reason. Yeah. To use text so proactively. Mm-hmm. It's a, it would be a quick skip for people who wouldn't be able to use ASL. Mm-hmm. Okay, so elephant in the room for this episode, uh, Prangles, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it may seem like a little thing, but I think this is a, a diegetic reason why they don't have name brand things, you know? This story does not take place on the world line that we inhabit because the world line that we inhabit, we don't have DK Pepper. We have Dr. Pepper, right? I'm pasting a picture of Prongles. (gasps) They exist. (laughs) Prongles are real. Uh, I think it was Prangles in Steins Gate. Prangles are not. Got to get some Prongles as a a prop for the show. You don't. They're not not good. Um, yes, we have evident more evidence that that world lines are changing mm-hmm. around Okabe, and it's things that if he were to have noticed them, he would remember them. But there are things that are so small, his personality or his observation doesn't give them enough weight to care about. And it's only like the thing that really drew him in, which was man, I asked for my soda and you got me this vegetable juice. And then in when he changes world lines, he has his soda. And he's like, I didn't have that before. But, but that's like the, like, that's the physical thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, it's sort of like the seeing is believing, like, you know, he's, he's confused about why everyone's acting weird and and saying this stuff, but then that's sort of like the definitive proof that the world lines have changed, right? right? Mm -hmm. For him, at least, not for anyone else. And I think something that I'm having trouble uh, figuring out with this rewatch is what kind of science fiction quantum behavior stuff are they playing with exactly? When they say the world line shifts, they're not like really using multiple universe like ideas because Mm. they're saying that the memories of the people, the data of the world itself is being changed, but Mm. it's, they're not, he's not shifting between 
different parallel existing realities. It's just getting overwritten. But so it's like, you could try to interpret it as multiple uh, worlds theory, but to me, it seems to be a little bit more about the Copenhagen interpretation that there was a range of possibility and it collapsed within this part of that range of possibility as opposed to some other part. Mm. And that's the annoying thing about anything that tries to do time travel and quantum physics stuff in hard sci-fi. Cause it's like, I think you guys already talked about this a little bit that, that every hard sci-fi that does time travel has to add its own little thing, uh, own little explanation as to what's going on that ultimately makes it not what we are dealing with in, in our world, uh, in reality, but allows it to be an idea that we can play with in fiction and look at stuff from our world and have fun with it. So I guess mm. that's where I'm at. I think it's, that there is no like space travel it is it is change it is manipulation of change oh you guys you you all blixa you talked about this uh mm-hmm. at the very end of this your second currently out podcast the whole concept of time is not its own entity it's just a measure of change yeah. and i was actually really excited when i heard you say that because like one of my first like, I, I guess you could say enlightening experiences back when I was getting into Buddhism at, in high school was this meditation session where I just, I was fully conscious and awake, but I started at like 11 and then it was 6 a.m. And mm. I got up and I was like, hmm, I guess I could go back to meditating. And I got up, I looked at the sunrise and then I went, I'll go to bed instead. And I never had, <laughs> I never had that experience again, but it was an experience that solidified in my head that very same idea that time doesn't exist. It's just change. Time mm-hmm. is our measurement. And this is something that when we get into quantum science fiction is do they consider time a real thing, a real physical thing? Because my personal in- interpretation doesn't see it that way. And I'm not sure if Steinsgate considers time, space, time, space as real entities or not. Well, Ben has opposed me on this view. So let's see what Ben thinks. <laughs> I just asked you a question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember what the question was. But Oh, um, but I guess another thing I want to say on that is, I guess a little bit of a pet peeve of mine is that in a lot of discussion of quantum physics in layperson circles, there's this idea that other dimensions have already been proved without the understanding that a dimension is just another word for a unit of measure and not for an mm. alternate universe. And so the, when you try to read science as a layperson and you see words that are used in pop culture differently than they're mm-hmm. used in professional jargon, you can draw conclusions that are really off base as to what is accepted scientific fact or consensus. If we want to stick with the mad scientist themes, no facts, only consensus and utility. <laughs> that that reminded me, I think there's a good example of this, which is it's this documentary called like what is it like what what the bleep 
do we know mm-hmm. heard about like way back in the day and then recently learned that it was like produced by like this sort of like cult or funded by this cult that then the same people that made that documentary like went on to join the like nixium cult wow um, what and they were yeah and they so a lot of the documentary footage about the nixium cult is because these like sort of people that got famous in the woo woo documentary space joined nixium and then were like making videos for nixium but then they had all this like video footage of like some of the fucked up stuff going on as well Oh, so were they able yeah. to break away and then make a documentary about Nixium? Or were they making a pro-Nixium documentary and yeah. didn't realize they were putting out some of the most heinous shit? I don't know. It's a little bit like, I'm a little bit skeptical, like, that these people didn't sort of know that it was like a pyramid scheme and then, you know, tried to figure out a way to like cover their ass on the way out or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, how many cults can you join before you should know better. Well, I mean, in terms of how you make political art, one of the best ways to make subversive art in an oppressive environment is to secretly cash it as a positive message for your current regime mm. while placing the critiques of current regime within it. Like um, a lot of art that came out of China, a lot of film that came out of China uh, under the rule of Mao Zedong would place emperors of the previous era as villains and make it appear as though they were being anti-royalist, anti-imperial. But then the actual actions and portrayals of the emperors would be more in line with Mao Zedong and his and the party policies. I, I think I brought us a little bit far afield with that. <laughs> we we can shift so, we can shift back. Maybe jumping back to to I think maybe how we got started on this tangent, which is the particular type of time travel. And to me, like the the simplest explanation of what seems to be happening is, yeah, you're sort of jumping to this alternate world where, you know, the past has changed and you're in a new world. But for some inexplicable reason, our main character, Okabe, retained his memory from the previous world where that D-mail or mm-hmm. time travel thing took place. And in fact, in this episode, he's like, why am I the only one who remembers this? And, you know, we we learn this stuff from John Titer about him being this like rare chosen one. Mm-hmm. You have a special power I don't understand. Please use it. Yeah. But but as far as I know, and I hope this isn't too much spoilers from like watching through this, that's just a given. It's just sort of like a deus ex machina like mm-hmm. yeah the guy who invented the time machine just also has this unique power that like no one else has and i don't think they ever you know try to um explain that more which like i mean i'm fine it's like sort of the premise yeah. but i do think a little bit like using that as tension of like why am i the only one with this power when like they don't have a very satisfying <laughs> answer for it is a little bit i think that to a certain extent, this theme of information is what is being sent back in time has already been explored. Like they have the text limit, right? Only a certain amount of information can be sent per text through mm-hmm. the, like through the opening of whatever is created. They have like a limited upload speed based on the physical limits of reality. Mm-hmm. And 
So another way of looking at uh, timey-wimey quantum physics stuff is whether or not to look at macrophysics from the perspective of particles or waves. Because if everything is seen as an expression of energy uh, as, as wave functions, then mm-hmm. on a macro scale, even particles, even the matter, the physical stuff that makes us up is, I guess, on string theory type uh, interpretations are just wobbles of higher energy within the, within the field, uh, within various fields of, uh, of fundamental, uh, forces. Uh, and so when a physical thing moves through space, it's actually energy being represented in a different part of the field. The energy is sliding across the fields as opposed to a particle moving through space it mm. is one way to look at what's happening on a macro scale, knowing what we don't really know about what, uh, about what the math says is happening on a quantum scale. And that's the fun thing about playing with quantum physics is that we know what the math says, but what the math means for physics is the point that's still undecided. Uh, <laughs> but like this, so this like special power of I have the inf- I have the ability to retain the information regardless could be a part of this idea that information is the thing that determines change. Like we are changing the data in the past that changes how the world, how the world line goes in off in this direction. But we also have all these little hints, even from the start of episode one or from when they found the IBM that Okabe is being set up to be the one that discovers these things and has access to these things. Right. He's the chosen one, but chosen by who, right? Right. And that's, so that's the question. And it's not, I don't think it's Teeter. Honestly, I'm kind of still on the side that Teeter in this universe might just be some hoaxer that happens to just be a part of the, like actually into something that he doesn't realize he's contributing to something real. Mm. Um, and I guess because I'm not remembering the future of, of what happens later, but we don't have any actual time travel. We don't have people or things actually moving through time and ending up in the past. We only have information going back and things changing as a result of that information being changed at a previous date. We don't have mm, yeah. we don't have bodies right. moving through time. We have information well, changing. At, at the risk of spoilers, so far that we know about, I think that's true. Yeah, only so far yeah. is is what I'm saying from what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think I don't know. To me, I think that's one of the things that makes this a very compelling time travel story is like how limited the time travel is. Like I love that premise of like all you can send is like this very limited character message. And I think that that it, it narrows the possibilities of like what the characters can do with it. Right. It's yeah. like, well, you mm-hmm. can send this text message, but like the person in the past might not believe what's on the message or might not listen to it. And you like, you can't really, you don't have enough characters to write out a whole explanation yeah. and explain to them the scenario. And but that is how it would be if we ever somehow made actual time travel, which I don't believe is possible. But if it were, it would have to be this like really 
shitty, limited, we're really bad at it kind of start. Like we're just sending one atom back to be like, can we push this thing slightly? How would we even (laughs) know if we did that at that point? So just listening to you now, it it occurs to me that we're setting up like these pretty stringent guardrails, right? Like you can only send information back and you can only, or as far as we know, you can only send information back. It can only be this much. And then uh, Titer even says like, you could surpass the 1% barrier, which is like, you can change the past, but only 1% or less, right? So we've got these pretty stringent guardrails. But the fact that it's information going back, it also actually opens up this possibility of kind of like a poetic or creative drive behind the change. Because like you can only send this much information, but in the hands of a poet, perhaps Hmm. that little bit of information could be a world changing uh, message, depending on who you send it to, what time, and what the actual words are. Don't send an instruction booklet, send a haiku. Yes, exactly. Don't give a rational thought, give an emotional one, and change the course of a person's behavior. Exactly. Blixa, I want to hear your thoughts. You, you've been quiet. Well, I was just thinking about, you know, time travel and various sci-fis, like a person going back and changing something, causing a new timeline or another parallel universe where this different thing happened. And uh, I know it's science fiction, but like, I like to have explanations. Like why, why would that happen? Like where Mm. would like the energy and the matter come from to create a whole new universe and what force would be the catalyst for that? Right. And that's kind of why I'm stuck on this point of like, it's not a new one. It's the same one shifting. It's all the same energy. Because I I feel the same way. Like when I've had people in real life tell me we know other dimensions exist because of weird gravity stuff, and I'm like, if there were actually a pair a full parallel dimension with all of our same energy, it would be way more than just some weird gravity stuff. It would be all weird gravity stuff all over everywhere all the time. If there Mm. were an earth just in the spaces in between next to our earth, that would be a lot of gravity. (laughs) But, but that's me poo-pooing on people's parades. Yeah, that's okay. This, this episode as a whole, it's a limbo episode. It doesn't give us answers. It only shows they've taken one step further in being able to plan this out and do a little bit more with it. It uses camera and music mainly to point at, be suspicious over here, be suspicious over there. Don't be suspicious. Like it's it's pointing you at mystery, but it, it is a limbo episode. It doesn't want to give you enough to speculate a lot about what you've been told in episodes one through six. It is a very aesthetically pleasing episode. Mm-hmm. I was hearing you when you were saying you don't want to poo-poo someone else's, yuck someone else's yum. And I, <laughs> I don't want to yuck their science fetish. Yeah. I mean, I would rather add more mon- uh, wonder to life than take it away. If like the nature of reality is that it's all collective consciousness and all that shit, then sure, maybe any- anything's possible. Maybe time travel is possible, but I don't know. Who knows? Ben might know, and it's just holding out. Yeah, I I am the godhead that. <laughs> it's a I get run into this because I know I don't 
ever intend to engage with psychedelics. It's not my thing. Like, I don't even like being drunk. Like, changing how I feel in in my head isn't really uh, that appealing to me. I also have been told that people have very unique experiences with how they perceive or think about things like time from doing psychedelics or doing mushrooms Mm -hmm. or things like that. And my only point of connection is that I sat in my basement and I breathed really good once. And I had, (laughs) and I had a very like clear, no thought, relaxed, extended experience of not engaging with that part of my brain that is constantly trying to predict the future or keep track of time and keep track of change. And when I say this, I I do mean I just stay at the wonder part. I wonder how much of that is me and how much of that is me experiencing the world. Because at the time, I thought this is me experience. Well, when I woke up from my nap, I thought this was me experiencing the world um, because I was into the Buddhist rationalism and how they portrayed those kinds of experiences. But in other philosophy, like the whole perception is value laden, I could be writing on to my experience something about the world that isn't true. I'll, I'll get into an argument with anyone, but the, if, <laughs> if they like having, if the argument itself is fun, I also want to be able to trust that a different experience, similar, but, it, but inherently different from my own has some valuable information that we could use for other ideas and not just mm. poo-poo anything as like a purely subjective thing. Mm. The fact that- Well, this is all fucking fascinating. Just so we don't miss our uh, uh, our cutoff time, uh, yeah. let's uh, uh, let's move into the second episode. Does anybody mm-hmm. have everybody good with that? Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Okay, cool. Sounds like we're all good. So when Ben can give us a countdown, we'll all plus play. I'm, I'm just noticing in the- um... Seeing the episode titles here, I guess this is the start of a three-part. So this is Chaos Theory, Homeostasis 1. First episode of a three-episode arc. So we're going to be left with cliffhangers. Oh, no. Uh, Three, two, one, play. I mean, it's not just me, right? D-mail just sounds like you're going to open it up and see a dick. (laughs) (laughs) i i didn't have that thought i mean it's different it's different language man we just had lies of p it's a good (laughs) game okay but i will be upgrading my p organ later tonight (laughs) i didn't realize that the subtitles would be referring to ruka as he yeah we talked about that I guess i forgot how old this thing was yeah i don't think they know what being trans is and they have some knowledge of it, but may, I don't know. Well, and I think this is the episode that puts it in like more concise terms. Very stark relief. Yes. Because Ruka says like, this is what I want. And that's kind of the realization point for most trans people. It's like, are you trans? Well, I want to be this. And you're like, oh, well, then that's yeah. all you need to know. And let's talk about that. Yeah. In, in terms of the pronouns, I think... You know, in Japanese, you don't use pronouns very often. I don't think they really use them mm. in this show. And, and there are more options for pronouns. Yeah, but just generally, you just say the person's name and like you don't have his or her. It's just like gender neutral. No. Oh, 
So she did intend on bringing the watermelon. Mm-hmm. But what they changed caused her to show up at a different time and yeah. thus be able to overhear that conversation. Yeah, so like simultaneously it keeps reinforcing like the past can only be changed a tiny amount, but look at what a big change that one tiny second amount can is. be. Or what, yeah. yeah. I mean, he knows only because the people are in a different spot than when uh-huh. they did the experiment. I think he also has some sort of like subjective experience whenever it happens. Holy like, shit. Was that the whole episode? Mm-hmm. Damn. It's a real cliffhanger. And I'm glad that Ben noticed that it's a three-parter. That one flew. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, there nothing wasn't... happened. <laughs> well, some some big things happened. So Moika got to send a D-mail and then she disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, that did happen. Not just wasn't in the room, but everyone who Okabe asked was like, "What right. are you talking about? Who is that?" Moka became completely removed from the social circle. Yes. So that some sort of contact was never made there because of this phone, the email thing. So then it's even more interesting that even though they changed something or tried to change something more significantly further back in time, that. Ruka is even still there as opposed to in a completely different life. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. It's interesting that Ruka is still there and that Okabe and Ruka still know each right. other. Yeah. And I mean that Ruka is literally even in the same room on the same day. Yeah. So it doesn't, I don't think it takes the butterfly effect that seriously. Or, um, you know, I'm waiting for them to show a butterfly ever. And then I'm going to say you're wrong, Ben. <laughs> well, they, they have it in the, uh, in the intro song. So, all right, then I win. <laughs> okay. Look, a butterfly, Ben. <laughs> that, or I guess maybe Alex, I think you're onto something. And in fact, it sort of becomes explicit later that I think there is sort of this concept of fate in this show and mm. that, despite their meddling, there are certain sort of like constraints to each one of these like world lines where like you can, yeah, you can change some things, but you're limited in how much you can alter these inevitable destinies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this like duality to Okabe that he inhabits all of these worlds at the same time, like the fantasy world of whoever he's speaking to, but also the mad science world or the like narrative world of his own, then maybe that's what gives him this reading Steiner that mm. he like fully buys into any situation he's in as immediately as he can. And so that's why his brain is so open to this experience of jumping world lines. Um, because we don't have that much time. I am curious, Blix, uh, mm. how you're feeling about the the sort of trans representation and the the Ruka storyline in this episode. Uh, I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm not offended. I feel like this came up before. Like I like given when this show was produced, um, I think they just did the best with the understanding that they had. And what makes me most comfortable is that uh, Ruka's not like the butt of a joke. Okabe seems to genuinely like her. I mean, beyond the butt of the joke, Ruka is centrally important to the the next step of them understanding this technology because mm-hmm. they were like sitting around waiting for the idea for yeah. what can we do next to see the limits of what we have here and by looking at the limits what can we learn from it they had they were come they had nothing they had no ideas um they were still reeling from what they did before 
but they didn't have an understanding of what that next step would be. And I guess of all of the one of all of the things that they've attempted to change, this is the first one that 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 matters to someone. It's actually important mm-hmm. to someone. Like yeah, Moica yeah. going, I want a new phone. I don't <laughs> care how much Moica likes phones. That's not important. Who yeah. gives a fuck? But this mm-hmm. is centrally important to Ruka's character. And so it's like, this is the first narrative moment where they said, this time travel itself is going to be important and understanding it is going to do important things. And the important thing they want to communicate is to, to, to enable a trans person to be able to live their identity mm-hmm. with a weird science fiction basis for it, as opposed to, so, <laughs> yeah, as opposed to just, thing. as opposed to just doing it. <laughs> but so I guess the other thing that struck me was, um, you know, Ruka's unclockable, like Makise, mm. even after having it explicitly explained, still didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, Ruka's a woman. Of course she's a woman. I don't know. I feel like Makise is ignorant when convenient. Yeah. But she's the genius. Like she's the one that solves the problems whenever it comes to something scientific. I mean, I guess it's really was only it's only for the goof, because otherwise, Makise being that inept doesn't quite jive with her level of observation and her character. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's supposed to be that Ruka can pass, and uh, they did sort of set up this joke. Like, there's an earlier scene where uh, she's sort of oblivious. Um, that Ruka was born male. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. uh, Okabe says something like, oh, I guess that escaped your like mm. incredible powers of observation <laughs> mm. or something yeah. like that. I, I, so. I guess I'm not really so concerned with like with Ruka's side of that dynamic. I'm more con- or like the observation of Ruka. I'm more concerned with Makise being so insistent that she knows. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not something she would care about. Because hmm. I, I feel like she's she's supposed to be like a psychologist, right? Her 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 points of focus are like Okabe's. She's in love with the science. She really only cares about her her study and her praxis. I don't really think her character would care what any person's gender was. I will say, in my personal experience, I have been surprised by who gets hung up on gender issues and who doesn't. Mm. Yeah. We'll say also in my limited experience, it's usually like educated people that come to my side as an ally mm. uh, that, that fully understand that sex and gender are different. Mm. Yeah. And maybe that Makise is not bothered by it, but is surprised that she didn't clock it, right? That maybe she's as surprised mm. as Okabe, like, oh my gosh, I didn't see this. That's so weird. Like, what didn't I observe or whatever? Because maybe she thinks of herself as very observant as well. Uh, the only thought I have on the episode is I love the choice of using the D-mail to help Ruka because like you have this thing, right? They've discovered this time travel device just for information. So they've discovered a miracle machine, right? Yeah. And like, what's the best use of a miracle machine to grant wishes? Yeah, well, and you sort of have that in the last episode too, hadn't really thought about it like that, but the, you know, it's like, oh, what are we going to do now that we can change the past? Let's get money or, mm-hmm. you know, and 
Mayuri's like, no, world, shouldn't we be doing world peace, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's sort of like the the wish dilemma. What do you wish for? Yeah. I will say this is probably the first time that they take on a quest that can't be presented uh, as anything but altruistic. Because when Moika was asking, I want a new phone, she was part of the lab. She was, uh, she had been forced into being another member. So it was, we're doing this for ourselves still as a dynamic. There's a little bit of a selfish, I want a new phone. I'm a member of the lab. Let's use this technology for us. Ruka's not a lab member. She was never forced into a designation. This is the first for someone other than the people in this room trying to learn the science. It's a special occasion. Because they even ignored the, like, let's try to do world peace thing, like you said before. They're like, let's try to get just a little bit of something for us, is how they were going about it until this moment. And I guess that that re-emphasizes the point that I love about this episode, is that the the very first important decision they're making, actually important decision they're making with this technology, is this value of, let's try to get this person to to be validated in their identity. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, be more herself. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Don't, don't be suspicious. 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 Uh Alex, Soccer if people are enjoying this show, is there anything you might recommend to them? Another piece of media, another piece of anime? You know, I told myself I would think about this a little bit beforehand, <laughs> uh, and I didn't. Something that gives similar vibes. I don't think I can go to my to what I relied on last time because I think I did that for our Lane episode. Uh, I already I already gave that Ghost in the Shell recommendation to go to read the first volume of the manga. So instead, if you want some more timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly things, then let's let's suggest Noe-in. I don't know if you've heard of that. It was on Sci-Fi Channel when I was growing up. Noe-in. That's an old-school anime. It is a weird time-travel future thing, but it's also like super buddhist it, it, i don't and i don't know how to explain how it is buddhist cuz i'm not sure from my memory if that was anything other than the visuals but i guess the full title is no ein to your other self and it's this Whoa. weird multi uh, world line time travel thing where all of the characters in one world are like normal people in japan living their life and then in the other world, all of those same people are these like old traumatized magic soldiers trying to destroy reality by obtaining some magical MacGuffin. Um, mm. And they're like trying to reconcile like all the magic soldier people are going like, I wish I had your simple, peaceful life. So I'm going to take it away from you to get it back to myself, even though the people they're fighting are just themselves from a different uh, reality. 
How cool. It's like, it's, it's unfair that you got to live the good version of reality. I'm going to take that. Yeah. And this comes out in 2005, 2006. So maybe like uh, uh, Sciencegate has some of that DNA or something because it's, you know, along the same time travel lines. Mm. I think I did a good recommendation this time. Fantastic yeah, recommendation. Yeah. I've never Excellent. heard of this, but it looks so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do <laughs> got to go. Yeah, that's okay. All right. You ready? Yep. Yeah. All right. Pen. Pen. Pals. Luca. Luca! Oh, we love it. Okay. Okay.